Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Blue Jackets Monday Mailbag. Bob McElligot with you as the Blue Jackets are getting set to head up to Ottawa, Ontario later today. And that's where they will take on the Ottawa Senators tomorrow. It will be the first game of a four-game road trip, if you want to call it that. It's actually a standalone trip. The Blue Jackets will go to Ottawa. Then we'll come back home. But then uh, in a couple of days on Thursday, as a matter of fact, they will leave for California taking on the San Jose Sharks, the Los Angeles Kings, and the Anaheim Ducks before returning back to Columbus. So that's the situation for the Blue Jackets. Uh, That's where they are. Now, they came out of the All-Star break on Saturday, played for the first time in a week and a half, and lost at home to the Tampa Bay Lightning. 4-2 was the final score in the game. A disappointing loss in a series of disappointing losses throughout the season for the Columbus Blue Jackets, no doubt about that. It was another one of those games where they were happy with the way that they played. They were not happy with the outcome of the game. And they did have reason to be okay with themselves in the way that they played the game, especially the way they started the game. The Tampa Bay Lightning had come into that game having already played two games coming out of their own all-star break, and they had lost both of those games. They lost a tight one in New York against the Rangers, and then the next night they went to Long Island and got pounded by the New York Islanders. So the Lightning was coming into that game with every intention of getting a win and getting two points because they had to go to Boston after that. That's where they wrap up their road trip. So they needed those two points. It was very important. When you're a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning, who went into the game on Saturday, holding on to the final wild card spot in the Eastern Conference, and you have a chance to get back into third place in the Atlantic Division, and remember, when it comes to playoff time, which is not as far away now as you may think, When it comes to playoff time, those first three spots in each division are guaranteed. So that's where you want to be, right? So the Lightning, that game is circled now. After you lose to the Islanders, you're saying to yourself, listen, we're going to take on the last place team in this conference. That's a game that we have to win. And that's exactly how they're looking at that. Be offended if you want to. But you're expected to win the games against the bad teams. And the Blue Jackets, they're a bad team by definition of their record and where they are in the standings. So the Blue Jackets come out and completely, completely outplay the Tampa Bay Lightning at the beginning of the game. Blue Jackets had the jump. They had the scoring chances. They had everything but the goals. And why did they not have the goals? Well, the biggest reason was Andre Vasilevsky. The goaltender of the Tampa Bay Lightning was, well, he was himself. Is exactly what he was. He's one of the best goaltenders in the world. And he showed us why, reminded us why, in a year that for him has not been the greatest. He was hurt. He missed camp. He missed the start of the season. He had surgery uh, right before camp, so he was out for a long time. They had to do without him for, what, a month and a half, two months at the start of the season, whatever it was. So he hasn't even found his own groove yet. And that's been a problem for the Lightning. I mean, that's the one guy that they always rely on. Throughout the years, they go to three Stanley Cup finals, they win two of the three, and they've got to make changes now. They're in that situation where in the last couple of years they've had to get rid of players they would rather not get rid of, and they had to do that because of salary cap restraints. 
So Andre Vasilevsky has been the guy that they have relied upon. They have felt that, well, no matter who we have to get rid of and we replace him with a young player, it'll be okay because we've got this guy playing in goal. So that really hasn't been the case this year because he hasn't been himself. But on Saturday, early in the game, he was his old self. And that's why the Blue Jackets couldn't score. Well, that was one of the reasons that they couldn't score. We could go into a whole discussion about shot selection. And, you know, that's something I want to ask uh, Pascal Vincent about, whether I do it before tomorrow's game or do it uh, before one of those games in California. Uh, Shot selection. You know, it's not like basketball. You don't get a chance to stand there and size it up. And and again, you might say, well, in basketball, you're getting pressured and you don't have a lot of time. Yeah, but you have more time than you have in hockey. Sometimes you get that thing and you've just got to let it rip with a one-timer, right? So you've got to in, – in basketball, you're always going for the same spot and you're going above everybody. You're not trying to put it through a guy who is trying to cover all of the area that you are trying to shoot into. But anyway – that's another topic for another time. But uh, they couldn't get a goal because of Vasilevsky early in the game. And I think, with hindsight being twenty twenty, you look at the way that game turned out, if they would have been able to get something early, I think that really would have fortified what they were doing, the way they were carrying the puck, the way they were forechecking, the pressure they were putting on the Lightning. Everything was there but the goal. If you could get a goal, now all of a sudden the Tampa Bay Lightning starts to go, come on, man. We've already lost two on this trip. This is the one we expect to win. We're getting totally outplayed, and now we're trailing on the scoreboard. And I'm not saying that they wouldn't have been able to come back and beat the Blue Jackets later in the game because they're a veteran team. They've been there, done that. They know how to win, all those things. The, the things that you saw once the game got to within one goal, and it was 3-2, to two, and the way they were able to just hold off the Blue Jackets until they got their empty netter to seal the deal. So, you know, that's uh, that's the only thing they were missing to me was getting that goal, just getting something to fortify all of the work that was going into it. But, again, that's been the season for this team. They always come up short, or many times. I, mean, I shouldn't say always. That's not true. It's not always. But many times they put in the work and they come up short, and they're not getting the result. They're not getting the points. They're not getting the goal, whatever it is. So that was, uh, again, a microcosm of the season, that game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Good game for Boone Jenner. He had just represented the Blue Jackets in the All-Star festivities the prior week, and he gets two goals in that game. And he looks like he's right back where he was before he got hurt. He did not look that way when he first came back from that injury. I'll talk about that in just a moment because I have a question about it. Uh, I I think there's uh, at least a partial reason for why he looked more like himself on Saturday night, but his goals were Boone Jenner goals. Front of the net, Johnny Gaudreau puts it on your stick, and you just get it by the goaltender, and that's what he did. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau, by the way, he looked like the guy the Blue Jackets signed as a free agent, didn't he? And there have been times this year he hasn't looked like that guy. Let's just be honest about it. There, especially early in the year, what, the first four to six weeks, you're going, what's going on here? What's happening with this guy? This isn't the guy that I saw play for the Calgary Flames. This isn't the guy that I was so overly excited about getting into a Blue Jackets uniform. Oh, but now, yeah, he's he's that guy. No doubt about it. And Zach Wierenski was the other guy. And for Zach, it's been a little bit uh, different in the reasoning as to why his season has been slow points-wise at times uh, because he's been injured. You know, he missed all of last year. 
He was coming back into this season and already had rust to shake off, and now he's gotten hurt a couple of times, and he had to miss a couple of chunks of uh, action. So he uh, he looked really good on Saturday, and he really wants to get a goal. He's got a lot of assists, a lot of assists, but he hasn't had a goal in 37 games. So he he very much is looking forward to getting one, and he could have had one in the first period. One of his shots was one that was robbed by Andre Vasilevsky on Saturday night. But, again, Blue Jackets lose that game. Now they've got to go to Ottawa. Ottawa's coming off a really big emotional win over the Toronto Maple Leafs a couple of nights ago, uh, one where there was a big fight at the end of the game where Ridley Gregg hit an empty net from three feet away with a slap shot. He was on a breakaway. All he had to do was tap it in. And he slapped it into the net, and Morgan Riley went after him, cross-checked him in the head. Now Morgan Riley has a, an in-person hearing with the National Hockey League and could get maybe a six-game suspension, which could also be kind of devastating to the Toronto Maple Leafs with the way that he has played for them this season. So you've got Ottawa coming off that. Um, you know, they've had a disappointing season as well. They fired their coach. They've already got Jacques Martin back behind their bench uh, until they figure out what they're going to do long-term with that position. So they, they have been in flux, but they're coming off that huge win on Saturday, and they want to take that momentum. They want to roll it in to tomorrow night against the Blue Jackets. So we'll see what happens with all of that. As always, if you are live with me on X Spaces right now, all you have to do is request to be a speaker. If you have a question, I will bring you up, and you can ask that question. We'll do it that way. Uh, the other thing you can do if you're a little bit shy to do that, you just don't feel confident in yourself, which I think you should. I, there's no reason not to feel confident that you can't ask a question, right? It's not a video show. It's just an audio show. It's all good. It's okay. But anyway, if you don't want to do that, you can just send your question to me on X at Bobby Mac Sports, and I will read your question and answer it. And I'm going to start by doing that right now. Jason has the question. And he says, this is a curiosity question. When Boone Jenner was wearing the quote-unquote bubble for his broken jaw, Jody Shelley repeatedly mentioned the lack of vision, the fogging, and et cetera. Can a player not use the cage like is worn in college hockey as an option? Do these not offer the same amount of protection? Well, Jason, yes, they can use the cage. Yes, they do offer the same amount of protection. It's a choice for the player and the equipment staff used both. They gave him the option to put on a helmet with both of those things on. And from my understanding, Boone felt that the clear shield or the bubble, as you call it, gave him the better vision. You know, with the cage, as a player, you're not used to looking through that that grid, right, with that cage. And Boone didn't play college hockey. So I don't know when's the last time he wore a cage when he played youth hockey. So he opted to go with the clear shield. And, yeah, those things have come a long way, right? But the face is covered, and then there are holes, like, at the bottom below the chin. And, yeah, Jody talked to me about that uh, numerous times since Boone came back, and he, he kept saying to me, and this is why I said I would address, um, he just kept saying, it's just not the same. It's not the same when you have that thing on. It's, it's harder. You just don't feel the same. It fogs up a little bit, it, which can – You'll get in the way of your vision. All of those things that you're talking about, Jason. Yeah, Jody and I talked about that, and, and he felt that Boone Jenner would be back to his normal self when he got that thing off of his helmet and he could just play with the half shield like he's used to doing. And lo and behold, 
he scored two goals in his first Blue Jackets game back with only the half shield. He took off the full bubble before we're the All-Star festivities. So that was his first game, and he looked like his old self. Is that why? I don't know. But I'm sure there's a comfort level to it, a bigger comfort level to not look down. You know, you're looking down for the puck, and, and, and you've got stuff there. Whereas when you have the half shield on, you, you've got nothing there. There's nothing obstructing your view. There's no fogging up of your view. You're just finding the puck. So, yes, he had the option. It's my understanding that after uh, going through both scenarios, he decided to wear the bubble instead of the cage. But, yes, the player can do whatever they want to in that situation. They can, they can use either one of those. Uh, Steve says, these two-on-ones where we don't get a shot have been frustrating. It doesn't seem like we use the pass off the pads hardly ever. A low, soft shot to the far post where all the goalie can do is throw the pad down and the other forward has a good chance to clean up. Well, that was very uh, very well described, Steve, and diagrammed and the whole nine yards. Um, I, look, I'm going to agree with you on that. I, and I understand in the two-on-one I can see from the player's perspective, you know, you're coming down the ice. If you can get the goalie to bite and you can slide that puck across, that's going to leave your teammate pretty much an empty net. It's going to be a highlight reel goal, and you're going to get on the board. The momentum is going to be great. I think with that building on Saturday, if the Blue Jackets would have scored in the two-on-one, that was a crowd to me on Saturday that was just waiting, just waiting, couldn't wait for something positive to happen. And I think if they would have picked up a goal in that two-on-one, that it would have been electric in Nationwide Arena. But they didn't, to your point. And they didn't get the pass across. The defenseman went down to the ice and smothered the pass or knocked it away, and they never got the goal. So the the pass off the pads, again, as you described, low shot off the goalie's pads, looking for a rebound to the other player. Look, it doesn't always go off the pads where it's supposed to go. I'll give you that, all right? Before any of you say, well, you, you can't control exactly where it goes. What if he turns his leg? What if, what if, what if, something, okay? But that being said, this team as a whole, we've talked about this for years. I think they get too ingrained in trying to make perfect passes and score pretty goals. The ugly goals count the same way as the pretty ones. And there is no reason you can't fire a shot at the goalie's legs and hope to get a rebound. If you look at the first Tampa Bay Lightning goal that they got in the game, Nick Paul on the power play, that was essentially a pass off the pads. Wasn't meant to be, but it was a low shot. Elvis Merzlikens closes the five hole. The puck comes off his pad, and it bounces right back into the slot, unfortunately, and it gets by the defender, and it comes right to the stick of Nick Paul. Now, there's really not a chance for Elvis to get reset. He's still reacting from the very first shot. Nick Paul is able to put that puck behind him for the score. Again, not what they were trying to do right there because they're trying to score a goal on the power play with the first shot, but the fact of the matter is they didn't get it on the first shot. They got the rebound off the pads, and they scored. So it happens. It happens a lot. So don't be afraid to throw that puck right in on the goalie's legs when you have somebody else following the play, somebody charging from the other side or 
somebody following you, if you're in deep and, you know, you're not going to have a chance at the rebound, be aware of the situation and know what's going on and, and use that shot. I think this team does not use that shot enough, and it's not just this season. I think it has been for a long time. And, again, I think that this in this day and age, I think with this generation of player, there are so many, possibly too many, that are looking for the highlight real goals instead of just finding a way to get a goal. Because everybody wants to be on SportsCenter. Everybody wants to be on NHL Network. And you can get on there just as well by taking a shot that goes off the pads and your buddy puts into the net. All right? It's not going to look as spectacular. It may not make the top ten, but you might win some more games for it. So, Steve, I'm with you. I'm all for the pass off the pads. Siebes says, who do you think will go down to Cleveland for their playoff run? I'm guessing that Adam Fantilli goes after he gets back. That's a good question, Siebes. And I was discussing this at the rink last week. Uh, I think Cole Sillinger has gone past his allotment of games, so he would have to clear waivers to go back down. So that's out. Um, Chinikoff, I'm not sure exactly where he sits. But if he would have to clear waivers, that's out. Um like, the way I see it, I agree with you with Fantilli. Just looking at when does he get back. You know, if there are games that are left here, you could play him here if you want to. But to your point, you could just send him right to Cleveland and say, hey, go there and get yourself acclimated once again, and you're going to stay with them for a whole playoff run, however long that is. And I would be completely in favor of that, quite honestly. And same with Kent Johnson. If you can send Kent Johnson down to the American Hockey League, I would send those two guys down there, and I would let them play, and I would try to go as far as I possibly could. I'd try to win a championship, win a Calder Cup in the American Hockey League, and, you know, use that for a lot of different things. You know, use that to build Kent Johnson's confidence, which they've talked about. He needs to have more confidence. They already sent him down there one time to get his confidence back. So you've got that. For Fantilli, the game's going to be different there. It's going to be slower. And I I think he'll have a chance to do a lot more things than he's had the opportunity to do in the National Hockey League. I, I think he can get better at the center position in the American Hockey League. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He can be the first-line center. He can get all those minutes. He can be top power play. Both of those guys. Like when Ken Johnson was down there earlier in the year, he was playing center. All right, well, we, it has – well, there still hasn't been a decision made on that, obviously. Is he going to play center or not? Because he never plays center here. He's always on the wing. So, all right, maybe you put them both on the same line and say go for it. Stack that line. I- I'll tell you this. If those two guys are on the same line when they're on top of their game, you're going to be hard-pressed to find another line in the American Hockey League that's going to be able to match that. So you're going to have – a one line that you can send out there, and if it's late in the game and you're losing or if you, you're trying to pad a lead and you want to double shift that line, that is going to be tough for teams there to handle. So I don't know is my answer. I don't know who they're going to send. But those two guys, I would send those guys, and the Fantilli thing makes plenty of sense. It made sense that he was up here all year right out of training camp. I have no problem with that. The way he has played, um, what he has learned so far this year, it's great. But now – He's out for eight weeks. 
now everything has changed because now when he comes back, he's got to, you know, he's going to be rusty. He's got to get back into the flow of things. And if you put him there, and if you put him there right at that time when he first comes back, you can let him get acclimated with his teammates there, and you can have him ready for a playoff run. So I, I don't know. I've told you a million times. I'm not a GM. I don't want to be a GM. However, however, I think that makes sense, quite honestly. And who knows where Cleveland's going to be by then, too. I mean, they're, you know, right now they're battling at the top of their division. I think Syracuse passed them a couple of games ago. I'm not sure if that's still the case right now or not, but they're going to be in a battle. So you want your young players to be in that. And the honest truth is that we all know they're not going to experience that this year in the National Hockey League. So let them experience it. Let them get that that taste of the pressure. The pressure's different there, but it's still there. There still is uh, pressure there. You're still going to learn a lot from going through that uh, process or process, as they say in Canada. JT asks me, uh, do you have any update on Igor Chinikov's injury status since he left the game against Tampa? I do not have any update for you at the moment, JT. The team is, as I do this show right now, the team is practicing. So maybe there's an update that that I've missed or I haven't seen, but Pascal Vincent said after the game last uh, or on Saturday night that he didn't expect Chinikov to play against Ottawa tomorrow and then would see if it was going to go beyond that or not. So I hope, I hope that he only has to miss one if he's going to miss any because he's really become a, a good part of what's going on here. You know, somebody said to me the other day, I had a scout say something to me about uh, the earlier in the year here. Remember back when Voronkov, there were rumors that he was homesick and he was going to leave and and uh, then obviously decided to stay. You know, he the guy was asking me, he just said, it seems like everything's calmed down with that. And I said, yeah, it has. And I said, you know, Voronkov, is, he's got some buddies here now. He's playing well and all is good. And he said, well, what about Chinikov? Then he went, then he went through that later. And I, you know, I, I, I don't know what happened. I didn't talk to him about it. I didn't talk to his agent about it or anything crazy like that. But look, if I'm an agent and I see one guy, you know, who's, man, he's not a little homesick. I uh, might not want to grind it out here. And then, you know, you watch the organization fawn all over him, which they very rightly should do because he's a huge part of where this team is going. And you want him here for that. Um, you know, if I'm an agent, I might say, you know what, my guy, let me see if I can get a little love from my guy here too. Ah, uh, you know, he's he's not really happy he doesn't have a specified role. And I think if you go back and listen to uh, the shows that I did when that was going on, I said, well, he's got to earn it too. You don't just give it to him. He's got to earn it. Well, from then until now, he's earned it. He's earned a spot on the top line. Um, he's turning into a very good player right in front of our very eyes. So, again, if that happened, and I don't know that it did happen, but I know if I was in that position where I had a chance to tighten the screws on somebody and, and get get somebody to kind of give my guy a little bit more of a shot, but I would tell my guy, I would tell him flat out. I would say, listen, here's the play I'm going to make. I, I'm going to say this, 
And if you get the opportunity, you better be on it like a dog on a bone. Because if you make me look stupid, our next conversation is going to be completely different. So, eh, agent probably wouldn't say that. They don't want to get fired. But anyway, if I was an agent, I would say it for sure. It's just honest. It's just the truth. I tell that to my kids when they're looking to do stuff. If, if there's something I can help them with, and I mean put them in touch with somebody to have an opportunity to do something, I'm very honest with them. I'll tell them. I'll say, look, I'll make the call or I'll have the conversation, but the moment that you start conversation and you get offered something and you're doing something for that somebody, it's on you. If you don't do it right then and they don't want you to be there anymore, then don't look at me. That's you. Go look in the mirror if that happens to you. So I think that's only fair. And Chinikov has done that. He got the opportunity. He seized the opportunity, and it will hurt not to have him in the lineup even for one game. So, again, I hope that one game is where it starts and where it ends. Again, if you're with me live on Spaces and you want to ask your question live, you can do that. All you have to do is request to be a speaker, and I'll bring you up, and you can ask said question. Right now I'm going through questions I've already gotten sent to me on X at Bobby Mac Sports, like this one from John Young. John says, fun question. Since so many are rightly upset with the results of this season, what are your top three foods at Nationwide Arena? Well, John, this is the portion of the show where I feel as though I will bring great disappointment to you and others. And I say that because I don't eat the food at Nationwide Arena. Now, let me clarify that. I eat the food in the press room, but I don't go and eat the same food that you do. I don't go around the concourse and go to the different stands and sample the different things. Uh, the food that they have in the meal room, the media meal room, is, uh, in my opinion, somebody will probably correct me on this and say, no, that's not true, you're wrong, but it's probably not the same as what you're eating in the concourse, certainly not the sweets, maybe some of it in the sweets. I, I, I think we get some leftovers, but anyway, anyway, um, so I can't answer your question. Uh, I know last year, was it last year when Schmitz signed the deal with the Blue Jackets and they brought us some, uh, sausage and other stuff? Cream puff was one thing they brought. They brought that to the booth. That was outstanding. I don't think you can ever go wrong there anyway, but that was outstanding. But I, I don't I don't go around. I haven't had the – do they still have the fried bacon on a stick or whatever it is? I haven't had it. Uh, I don't go around and eat the food. So I'm sorry, John. I am sure that's very disappointing to you, but it is the truth. Again, I, I can't sit here and make something up. Well, I, I could sit here and make something up, but that would be stupid of me. Um, so anyway, that's my answer. Cannon Goes Boom is uh, next up with a question. Uh, let me see. There, uh, all right. It says there's one of two tweets here, but I only see one, so I'm just going to read this. It says, not sure everyone really realized how long the Blue Jackets have gone without a shutout, so good for Elvis to break that streak. The last time they got one was over two years ago, and the Blue Jackets have had eight different goaltenders play since then. Thoughts? Well, I didn't realize how long it had been either. 
to be completely honest with you. Um, when when it was looked up and announced, I was like, really? Well, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but it was. And, of course, the shutout game was the one in St. Louis that rounded out that five-game road trip uh, right before the All-Star break. Eight different goalies. My thoughts on that? There's been a lot of injuries for the goaltenders. There really has uh, over the span of the last two years. Elvis has been hurt numerous times. Tarasov has been hurt numerous times. They've had to bring guys in. Jet Greaves has come up from Cleveland. Um, you know, they've uh, they've made waiver claims and put guys on the roster. So, look, the defense, it still needs to improve. There's no doubt about that. That's part of the reason for it. In fact, that is probably a big part or a bigger part of the reason for not having any shutouts last year, quite honestly. Um, so that's kind of my thoughts. But I was surprised, too. I, I was surprised how long it was since the previous one because it just seemed like it was uh, – didn't seem like it was that long ago. But, you know, they say time flies when you're having fun. And even if you're not having fun, it seems like when you get older, time flies anyway. Ryan Lore, welcome to X Spaces. Welcome to the Blue Jackets Monday Mailbag. How are you, Ryan? I'm doing well, Bob. How are you? Good, thank you. Excellent. Hey, I got a question about um, coaching. With, with Pascal, he always seems so even keel after whether it's a win or a loss. He seems to congratulate the other team. And I see a lot of people on Twitter that really freak out about that, that he doesn't get upset like we saw Torts get upset. Um, do you know if the players really react much to that or do they like the consistency that he seems to be even keeled and maybe it's an in the side, the locker room thing, um, after the game, or maybe you can speak to that more, but a lot of people are upset that he's even keeled. I think it's a good thing. What do you think? I think that players want a coach to be who he is and not try to be somebody that he is not. Don't mistake Pascal's demeanor to uh, think that he is somebody that is not passionate about what goes on because that would be a mistake. That would be a major mistake uh, to think that from the outside. Ryan, I always go back to this. When when I was in Syracuse in the American Hockey League back in the 2000s, Joe Torre was the manager of the New York Yankees at the time. And I, I don't want to compare talent of teams because the Yankees were good then. But, you know, Joe Torre was that kind of guy that – Every time you saw him on camera and every time that he spoke to the media, he was very even-keeled and he wasn't fiery. You never saw him on camera throwing things or screaming at players or anything like that. And the Yankees fans that I knew were always complaining, it's time to get somebody in there that cares. This guy, he's got no fire. He doesn't care. In the meantime, they're winning. They're winning the entire time. So you don't have to do that. John Tortorella is that kind of a guy. I mean, that's, that's who he is. That's what he does. And so for him, you get away with that. And you expect it as a player, right? For Pascal Vincent, if he goes in there and tries to do that, and that's really not his thing, he's immediately going to be uh, identified as a phony by his players. That's just a fact, right? You know, I'm sure you've been around people that they they do something or they say something, they launch into something, and in your mind you're going – where the hell is this coming from? This is not fitting the personality of this person. What? Just knock it off, right? Right. So that's what uh, that's what I think with the players. Just be who you are, and that's who he is. But again, that doesn't mean that he is not passionate because, um, you know, some of the things I've been told he says in that room are totally different than what he says after the game. But he's also a realist. You know, when the Tampa Bay Lightning outplays you, and they're a team that 
has won two Stanley Cups in the last couple of years, they're a good team. What are you going to say? When Andre Vasilevsky is stoning you, he is one of the best goaltenders in the world. What are you going to say? Um, you know, he wants to get more out of his team. He is slowly getting more out of his team, but um, there's no need to rant and rave because his team is not there yet, and he would he would come across as being something that he is not. So, yeah, it's easy to go on the social media platforms and, you know, say things and complain about things, and this guy, you know, he should be doing this, he should be doing that, but the fact of the matter is his players have more respect for him based on him just being himself. Awesome. Thanks, Bob. All right, Ryan, thank you. Great to have you on the show today. Again, if you are live on X, uh, X Spaces, I should say, and you want to be on the show, all you have to do is request to be a speaker, and I'll bring you on. Brandon has requested to be up next, so... Brandon, welcome to the show. Hey, nice to be here. Thanks, Bob. Hey, uh, my question was, because you had mentioned that you thought the the defensive play had a lot to do with our lack of shutouts, and I, I've agreed. Um, I feel like a lot of our road trip, we've played very well. I attribute a lot of that to having, like, Wierenski and Boquist back and healthy, and I feel like Bean is playing much more confidently, and we're – not getting stuck in our own defensive zone. We're getting a lot faster breakouts like we saw against Tampa. Uh, my question is, do you feel like, or do you think that we will slightly restructure possibly in the off season to focus more on the simple old school technique of tying up the stick in front of our crease? I feel like we get a lot of goals kicked in on us by the untouched man in front of our goalie. Well, Brandon, first of all, can I tell you the thing I like about you the most is you sent this question to me. It's on my list. I didn't get to it yet, but you came on and just asked it yourself, so I appreciate that. I felt like it was long. I felt like it might not get to it, so I thought, might as well. <laughs> no, no. I appreciate it. I'm glad I'm glad that you did. Uh, yeah, I, I think that needs to be uh, a bigger area of focus, yeah, in front of the net. You know, they've, they've spent so much time in the early part of the season trying to get the coverage down and, you know, the way they wanted to play. They want to defend the middle. They want the shots to come from the outside. But, yes, um, tie up those guys in front a little bit more. If you really want to defend the middle, that means getting guys tied up in those situations. So, uh, And I agree what you said about the players, too. You know, Wierenski, I don't have to talk about him. When he's playing his best, it's very obvious. But Adam Boquist, I'm, I'm glad you brought his name up because I think this guy has really made some strides this year. And it's been tough because he's been in and out of the lineup with injuries. But I, I think this is the best that he has played since he has come here, and that makes sense because defensemen take longer to develop than forwards do. And uh, I just had a long conversation with Pascal about this before the game against Tampa the other day. But, um, yeah, he's playing really well. That pair, that really solidifies to me that top pair of him and Zach. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again right now. Like, on paper, those guys don't work as a pair for me. They just don't. I would have – I would have been really hard-pressed to put them together. The only thing that makes sense is one's a left shot and one's a right shot. But they both like to get up and to play offensively. Uh, neither one is known as a spectacular defender. But yet when they play together, they have this communication between the two of them where, hey, I'm going offensively, you got to cover me, and vice versa. And, and they've really done a good job with that. And, you know, to your point, too, the uh, you know, the breakout has been that that's where it's really shown. Uh, on the breakout. And Jake Bean, yeah, Jake Bean's a third-pair defenseman, and he is just play simple hockey. And I think in the last couple of games, he's done a good job playing simple hockey. Yeah, I feel like just having those guys, they seem like 
uh, confident puck carrier. So when you don't have a pass, just carrying it out the zone instead of making a blind pass that gets picked off because we've gotten a lot of turnover goals against us that way in the last few years, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're, you're dead on about that, Brandon. Awesome. Well, All right. Thank you. Hey, thanks for being on the show. So next time, just go ahead and you don't even need to send it. You can just go ahead and jump on. We'll do. All right. right. Thank you, Brandon. I appreciate it. Uh, Again, on X Spaces, that's where I'm live right now at the moment. Uh, If you're listening to this later as a podcast, then that makes no sense to you, and it won't help you one bit. But but right now, as I do it, I'm live. And if you want to ask your question, just request to be a speaker. Let me go back to X right now at Bobby Mac Sports. And uh, Heather says, I watched the injury happen to the Lightning's Mikhail Sergachev. It was devastating, and I wish him the best. That said, do you see us trying to make a deal with them for a defenseman? If so, who would you request from them to better our team? Well, first of all, Heather, I don't know if you have the kind of defenseman they want. I mean, Sergachev is, and he's had a down season. I'll preface what I'm going to say by telling you that. But he is a uh, – look, it, it, you can't do an Andrew Peak for a replacement for Mikhail Sergachev. They're two different kind of players. So I don't know that the Blue Jackets have what it's going to take. I, I don't know if they have the type of defenseman for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Maybe a Boquist that we were talking about, but but I'm not sure. They may – they want. They may want to go somewhere else. They they might want to get somebody with more, or some playoff experience, um, instead of going this direction. So I I don't know. Like, look, who would you request off their team? You're not going to get any of the guys you want. You're not getting Braden Point. You're not going to get uh, Brandon Hagel or Nick Paul or any of that stuff. So um, I don't know. And when they and here's the other challenge for them. They don't have a first-round pick this year. They don't have a first-round pick next year. Uh, I don't know how many picks they do have left. They have traded a lot of their draft capital for players in the past three years. So that could also be an issue for them, unless you get somebody that's going to take a pick. You know, I Hey, I don't need that first-round pick for three years. I don't know. That might be a tough sell, too. But, Heather, I just don't know that I – I don't know that you have what you need to – to match up with them. So maybe, maybe, I mean, there's, maybe they have a young guy. They got a lot of young guys. That, that's one thing that they do well. They give up draft picks, but yet they find players that play well in the American Hockey League, and they develop them. That's what their whole thing is. Remember when they traded for Tanner know last year, and they gave up those first-round picks? And Julian Breesbois, who's the general manager of the Lightning, said, look, those are just picks. We're gonna we're gonna find guys and develop them anyway. That's that's our mo. That's what we do. As a matter of fact, I was talking to uh, Matthew Darsh, former Blue Jacket, now the assistant general manager for the Tampa Bay Lightning, before the game on Saturday, and he was talking about a couple of guys that uh, he pointed out. One was Eric Chernak, uh, the way they developed him as a defenseman, uh, how he developed in the American Hockey League, and uh, who was the other guy? Oh, Ross Colton, who now has moved on to the Colorado Avalanche, another guy. Great examples of development players by the Tampa Bay Lightning. So they are uh, 
couple of examples of that. All right, John Lyons says uh, if this happens, he's talking about that potential something with the Lightning. If this happens, I'd most likely uh, I'd like to see the Blue Jackets try to get Sergachev, uh trade Bean and Boquist and Roslovic or Wierenski. No. No, 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 no. Not not Wierenski. I won't. I wouldn't go with that. And you want to get Sergachev. So now you want to get Sergachev and get two of those other three guys out of here. Well, look, of the three that you put on your list, John, being Boquist and Roslovic, only one of them has a role right now, a solid role, a guaranteed role, and that's Boquist. The other guys, look, Roslovic's a, a unrestricted free agent coming up. You know they're shopping him. They've been uh, Jake Bean. His advantage is he's left-handed shot. And I'm not saying that's a be-all, end-all. We saw Damon Severson play on the left side there when um, – when uh, who was out? Who was out? Did he, oh, Wierenski was out, for gosh sakes. Yeah, when Wierenski was out, uh, he played on the left side. So it can be done, but it's – you know, that's, that's what Jake's uh, – that's his biggest strength on this team right now. I'm not saying you shouldn't look at it. I'm not saying you should – not look at trading him if you could trade him and you can better your team. Don't get me wrong on that. I'm just saying his strength is the way he shoots the puck. Lester, you are up on the Monday mailbag. How are you, sir? Not too bad. Uh, hearing some of these trade proposals. Yeah, you're you're that, the big uh, trade guy. You are you are the trade guru. So what do you got? Not, not really. I'm not trying to be the amateur GM. You know, J.P. Ricciardi, the Blue Jays general manager, once said, if you start thinking like the fans, you'll be sitting there with them. Yeah, and he had that job for like three years. Yeah. I, so was, it, I was in Syracuse when he was the GM of Toronto, and it was a, like Gord Ash was the previous GM, and he was there all the time checking on players and development and all that stuff. J.P. Ricciardi, I think I saw him two times, maybe two times. And then he was gone. But anyway, back to what you different. were saying. Anyway, where I wanted to go with this though today was uh, a couple of weeks ago when you guys left for Western Canada. You might have missed this, but the Ohio House Republicans have uh, introduced a bill that would eliminate our state income tax. Oh, wouldn't that be great? And not just mm-hmm. for not just for me, but I know where you're going. So continue. Yes. Uh, now our income tax isn't that prohibitive, but here's where I'm going with this: the average National Hockey League player only keeps 41 percent of his paycheck. The reason why is they have to pay taxes, they have to pay their agent, they have to pay their players' association dues. So the lower that your local taxes are, the more of their paycheck they keep. So you got guys in Canada that have to pay for their national health care. You got some of the guys in other countries paying out big money. But then there are certain states where the state income tax is staggering. California, 14.4%. New York, 10.9, Minnesota, 10.85, New Jersey, 10.75. So you basically have seven teams in Canada and eight more in the U.S. by way of California, New York, New Jersey, Minnesota, about half the league there. Those guys are really hit hard. So where I'm going with this actually is to say that if they do that, I think that, and I'm not somebody who believes just going around signing free agents just to do it. But when the Blue Jackets really are ready to win, I think a move like that would make it easier for them to bring in top-tier players because of the savings they would have as opposed to some other locations. Do you agree? A hundred percent agree. Um, look, Florida has no state income tax, right? They, they also have great weather. So there's a double sell for players right there. Yep. 
Uh, Texas has no state income, ta- income tax. Dallas, not bad weather, not a bad city, pretty easy sell. Right. Tennessee right. has no state income tax, but, and I don't know if you have these numbers, but I know they don't have a state income tax, but then they have other taxes. People have told me that live there. Uh, there's other taxes that kind of, I don't know if it completely offsets, but it doesn't, it's not like Florida and Texas when it right. comes to that. Um, so, yes, to get back to the, the heart of the matter of what you're asking, I think it would be great because I, I think it's, uh, look, we all know that Columbus is a great place to live. And for players that are starting to have families or they do have families, it's a great place to be, and it becomes an even greater place to be if your taxes are lower and you make more money for your family. So, yes, I am wholeheartedly with you on that. Well, when you consider it, the National Hockey League doesn't have a pension program like the other leagues. In baseball, you have to have 680 days on a major league roster. You have to play that day, but a day where you're on the roster to eventually qualify for their basic pension. And in football, it's 52 games on a game day roster. So it's three years plus one game. But in hockey, it's 820 games, which is 10 years. And in a sport like that, where injuries can be an uncertainty, you may not ever see that 10-year ceiling. And even then, the, you don't get the pension to 45, and the longer you wait to take it, the higher it is. So at age 62, which is the highest, it's worth $255,000 a year. But take these two examples into consideration. I won't hold you too long. I know you're traveling today. Adam, uh, Adam Fantilli and Gabriel Carlson have the same entry-level contract, three years, $950,000. But Adam Fantilli is going to keep somewhere between three hundred and ten to $335,000 more of that money over the three years because California's income tax at 14.4% dwarfs the one here in Ohio. Now, Ohio has two brackets, 2.75 and 3.7. But if the person preparing your taxes knows what they're doing, they can get you a grant to lower it down to 2.75. So that's quite a savings there, especially when you're that young and not making nearly as much as some of the other players. Uh, 300 plus $100,000 is quite a bit. What is that? Then a sun- you look that's at- a sunshine tax in California, right? I think it is. <laughs> well, just like in Florida. Yeah. Down in Florida, they don't have a lot of Fortune 500 companies. So the, the pay isn't great, but they go, hey, we got this weather, right. you know. That's, the, then that, you look, that's exactly right. And, and let's, briefly, and let's, let's yeah, be honest, there, and there are some states, and I think California is one of them, that that number is not going to go down. It is only going to go up. Right, right. Then I'll give you one other example, and I'll cut out of here. You take Johnny Gaudreau, for instance, when he came to sign with the Blue Jackets. He's got a choice between he could pay 2.75% or 10.75% in New Jersey. Now, over the course of a seven-year contract, he would save $5.6 million playing in Columbus. Plus, on top of it, the Blue Jackets offered $6 million more overall. So by coming to Columbus, he basically kept nine, about $9 million in his pocket that he wouldn't have had versus going to New Jersey. That, and that is what boggles my mind with Artemi Panarin. Quite honestly, he was offered. What was he offered? Ninety-six million dollars. Is that what it was? Eight years, twelve million a year. I think was the yes, number. He was. And yes, he, he was. And he opted to go to New York State, or he lives in Connecticut. Whatever it is, doesn't matter. Boy, he he walked away from a lot of money. Not just the one extra year on the contract that the Blue Jackets could give him, but what he would have saved in taxes. 
And that's where the agent has to come in and advise the player on things like those. I mean, think of it this way. If you go sign a seven-year deal as a free agent with a California team, multiply that by 14.4, and that's 100.8, which means on an entire year of those seven years is going to be paid out to the state of California in the state income tax. That's a big loss. That is a huge loss. Huge. But that's a uh, good spin on it, Lester. I appreciate that. That's a good conversation. And, and I hope that happens personally and professionally for, uh, for the athletes because anything that is a bigger draw. Look, win, having a winning team is the biggest draw to bring in free agents. We all know that, and I get it. But any other thing that works in your favor, and that's a pretty big thing when it comes to keeping more of the money that you make. So I appreciate you bringing it up. Yeah, have a great week. Thanks, you too. All right, that is, uh, yeah, I I remember saying something to somebody one time. I don't know if this was baseball or if this was hockey. There was a free agent, and I said, I'll tell you exactly where they're going to sign. They're going to sign in Florida or Texas. The person said, what are you talking about? Why? I said, because of the taxes. Maybe it was when Andy Pettit was a free agent. Remember, he went to Houston. After being in New York with the Yankees for all those years, he went to Houston. Save some money, baby. Save them money on taxes. It is tax season, by the way. That makes me sick. It makes my stomach turn. I'm not I'm not in either of those brackets that Lester talked about either, by the way. What about Troy? Maybe Troy's in one of those brackets as we bring him live on the Monday mailbag. Troy, are you in that two point seven million dollar bracket or no? Uh, of course not, Bob. <laughs> I was uh wondering because there's like I, I know you guys don't watch too much Premier League, but in the Premier League, one of the major teams recently, they uh, had, they obviously this isn't happening with CBJ, but they had an ownership change. And basically, like, due to the ownership change, like, there's a lot of changes going on in the front office right now. And since that has happened, the team has not moved any players. And they were just like, listen, like, let's just have these contracts expire. Like let's not move everything around and like have a new fresh set of eyes. Look at this after the season's over. Do you think that's a realistic possibility with the blue Jack? It's that all these potential trade pieces that we think we have, we could just, you say, you know what, we're not going to go out and go crazy and just let some contracts expire and not do anything. It's you asked if it's possible. It's possible, but I think that it's probably more so that it's the contracts that you're trying to trade. I mean, look, I'm not saying these players are terrible by any means, but it appears that there is not a fit. This team's been trying to trade a defenseman since the summer. It hasn't been able to get it done. Therefore, there's not a fit. Um, Whether it's they're not getting what they want for that or if it's another team saying, "Eh, no, I don't think I'm interested in that guy. So I I don't think they would hold on to players. Look, Yarmo is the general manager, and he is going to be running this trade deadline, and he is a scout at heart, and he loves draft picks, and he's done a pretty good job with the draft picks. Now, we can argue as to, you know, draft picks are one thing. Drafting a player is one thing, and then putting together a team that functions together, that's, that's a different thing. But when you're talking about drafting, he loves to get picks, and he has been very good. He and his staff have been very good at making good picks and finding players. So uh, he would much rather, I think, 
I think he would much rather get something rather than nothing, not just walk away and let a Jack Roslevic contract expire and have nothing to show for it. Uh, you'd rather get something back for that. Andrew Peak, rather than him just sitting there, and especially when you have young defensemen that are they're coming. Whether you like it or not, they're coming. So you've got to make some room. He'd rather get something back for a player like that. So I, I don't think it's, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's like, uh, all right, the heck with it, throw up the white flag. They'll look to get something for the players that uh, that they want to move out, and for the the roster spaces that they are trying to create. I don't, I, I don't think they're going to purposely sit on their hands. If nothing happens, I think it'll be because. There just wasn't a fit on one side or the other. and Well, obviously, that would make both sides. So if guys are still here after the trade deadline whose contracts are coming up, I would uh, – my guess right now today is that they just didn't get what they wanted for them and it wasn't worth it. And another thing that I wanted to bring up in terms of buy low opportunities, and when I what I mean by this is like that when I uh, – spoke a few weeks ago. We, I was talking about players like Carter Verhage and Trevor Moore, these guys that are truly top six forwards that were buried on the third line and ultimately just once given the right opportunity, they were very good. And there's been a name going around recently just because the way that the roster and salary cap issue that the team has, the Buffalo Sabres, they've paid basically their whole core in advance already. And they have Casey Middlestat as an upcoming restricted free agent. I saw that and, the other day. And people are saying that I saw the Elliot Friedman podcast. They said it almost seems like Buffalo has to trade him because they can't like pay him what he's worth. And I know a lot of people aren't familiar with his game. Not a lot of people watch Buffalo Sabres games, but I live in New York. They're on like the MSG channel. I see them all the time. He uh, has been one of the top five-on-five point producers, not only this year, but the entire second half of last year and a good portion of the first half of the year before. And this is like, this is a 25-year-old center, and a lot of centers don't often hit the open market, whether Buffalo let his contract expire and trade away his rights or trade something to get him now. I feel like he is like, the prototypical buy low candidate because five on five scoring, I feel like is worth so much. You know what I mean? Because if you can produce at the same rate as Brady Kachuk and Braden point on the third line of the Buffalo Sabres, I think it's pretty indicative that you're a good player, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I saw that same thing too, where they were talking about if he's going to be expendable to them. And I was surprised at first because he was a guy that, you know, they talked about him a lot before he got there. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe you can find some kind of a fit there. Look, this team still needs centermen. Uh, do, how much do they like him? Um, what could they give the Buffalo Sabres that they might be interested in for him? Uh, we'll have to wait and see how it shakes out. But, uh, yeah, I understand I understand your thinking there. Try to that, – that's how you get centermen, right? You either have to draft and develop them or – when you get them in a trade, you got to try to to find a situation like that to get one. The good ones just don't usually come available. Yeah, I agree, and that's the thing. Like, there are going because any person, and I'm sure, like, obviously, I'm not a GM, 
but I'm sure the GM and the scouting, the pro scouting department can just as easily go on the same website or better that I have that says, <laughs> oh, look at these five on five scoring leaders. Yeah. Casey Middlestead's barely making anything. Imagine if we could get this guy. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. obviously like, it's not like, a hidden gem type thing. This guy, people that take fantasy hockey super seriously, obviously real front office people know that this guy's a serious player. And the best part about a guy like him, in my opinion, uh, this is like a similar tactic the scouting department does for my favorite soccer team. They love just bringing in players that are like 24, 25, 26 years old who just know the league, like know what's up. Yes, you can still develop them a little bit more, but like, you know what I'm saying? You don't have to like teach them like the whole NHL and going through a whole, it's a lot less on a player that's been in the league six years already when you bring them to a new team. Yeah. You know? Yep. No, I understand what you mean. And I'm sure that the blue jackets aren't the only team that has that uh, in mind with a player like that, as you just alluded to. So that'll be interesting to see what happens with that situation with him. And yeah, maybe you, uh, maybe you find a diamond in the rough there. Who knows? Thank you for having me on, Bob. Have All right, Troy. One. Great talking to you. Appreciate it. Uh, let me go back to X and get a couple more questions before we wrap up here. Union Blue Soldier says, do you know why Stinger looks different? Well, I don't know if this is a big secret or not, but uh, Stinger, like so many other people at New Year's, I think uh, decided to go on a um, – you know, weight loss plan and conditioning and, you know, most people that last about two or three days and then they give up on it. But Stinger has kept to his New Year's resolution and he's gotten more fit. And I think that's that's why he looks a little bit different to you right now, because he's just more fit than uh, than he was at Christmas time. Scotty J says thoughts on Boone Jenner's name being thrown around in trades, just rumors or is there more to it? Could be either, Scotty. Um, well, the, first of all, they're all rumors until something happens. But, look, Boone Jenner's got a really good contract. He's got another year on that contract. Um, a lot of teams will covet Boone Jenner. The question, if you're the Blue Jackets, is do you want to be without Boone Jenner? Not just this year, but next year or beyond, okay? Is Boone Jenner going to be in your – when you're putting together your long-term plan, okay, you're back to being a winner, you're back to going to the playoffs, you're back to competing for a Stanley Cup – is Boone Jenner on your roster at that time, yes or no? If the answer is yes, then they are rumors and they will stay rumors. If the answer is no, then you um, then they become maybe non-rumors. But here's, here's the thing. I think you always take the call because you never know what you might get in return. And if a team wants to get him now, they're really going to have to pay. And you're, you have a chance to really get something good. Uh, if it goes to the summertime and he only has one year left on his deal, yeah, you probably still can do pretty good. If it goes to next year's trade deadline, then, you know, can you get a first-round pick for him? It all depends upon the landscape at that point in time and how he's playing and blowing yada, 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 all that. So um, everything's a rumor unless something happens, but I think where you are in the standings that you at least listen to everybody, even if he is in your future plans. Listen, because – Somebody might offer you something where you say, whoa, I never thought I would have gotten that. Never thought that offer would come. So uh, I, I, I'm not – I'm really not looking forward 
or I'm not looking for it to happen, Scotty. I won't tell you 100% it won't, but I, I would be at least mildly surprised. The only reason I wouldn't be surprised is because, again, you're in last place in the conference. I mean, you're you're trying to to get back, and you're trying to rebuild. And if, if you have a chance to move a player that you probably don't want to move, but it is going to make you better, then that possibility always exists when you have a player like Boone Jenner that's going to be very coveted by playoff teams. Daryl says, I've seen reports that the Blue Jackets will finally get an outdoor game at the shoe in March of 2025. Why play an outdoor game in March when you live in a place with freezing weather? Is it because the shoe isn't winterized or is it a scheduling conflict with Ohio State? Look, Daryl, I I read the same things you do. I haven't been told a single thing. Uh, but I will tell you this. Here's one thing that I've heard, and that's not recently. This is months ago, maybe a year ago. Maybe it was in Finland last year when Steve Mayer, who's the guy that puts together these huge events for the National Hockey League, spoke with reporters on media day for the Global Series in Finland last year. There is, I think there's not just a thought. I, I'm under the understanding from whenever that was that – they wanted, and when I say they, I'm not sure if it was the league or the Blue Jackets or Ohio State or a combination of all of them or a couple of them or whatever it is. Uh, there was a thought that it would be better served to play the game in Ohio Stadium when the students are in session and not out on winter break. I like to call it Christmas break. But to have the students actually in session to be able to attend the game. Now, another thing is, and I didn't hear any of this, but I'm just you know, talking off the top of my head here. Uh, Winter Classic, January 1st, there's always the possibility of there being a bowl game that the Ohio State Buckeyes are involved in on January 1st. So that would be a conflict. Not that it's going to be played there, but it would just be an overall conflict. So you'd stay away from that without any issues. But, again, I heard somewhere along the line, whenever it was, wherever it was, that having the students in session – was more desirable. That's what they did last year in Carolina. They played a game in late February, I think it was, uh, at North Carolina State's football stadium, and they packed it. It was great. They had a fantastic turnout. So I, I think this is the, the same kind of thing. Look, you, you want to put over 100,000 people in the place, right? And the students, no matter where they're from and no matter what team they're a fan of, it's an event, and they're going to want to come to an event, just like everybody else is going to want to go to an event. So why would you leave out that entire population of attendees when you don't have to? So, again, that's that's just what I heard somewhere along the line. I don't know. I haven't had any confirmation of it. I'm not holding anything back on you. I don't know what's going on. Uh, whenever you know, I'll know is basically how it is on that thing. Do I hope it happens? Absolutely, I hope it happens. I think it would be fantastic. I don't care when they play it. I don't care if it's January or March. Just get it on the docket and play the thing and make it an event. And it will be a huge event if it happens here. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Hope it happens. All right, I am going to go off to another country now. Simple as that. Another country I was just at like two weeks ago. But we're only going to go for one day, a eh, day and a half, and then come back. But uh, the Blue Jackets tomorrow night take on the Ottawa Senators. That's a 7 o'clock face-off. Pre-game coverage starting at 6.30 with me on the Blue Jackets radio network and on Bally Sports as well on the TV side. And then it's uh, off to California later in the week 
four games against San Jose, Los Angeles, and Anaheim. February is a sparse month, only two home games in the month of February. But it's a short month, only 29 days. 29 this year, don't forget that. Not 28, 29. It is a leap year, but only two home games in February. But we'll get through all of that, and then March will come, and there will be many more opportunities to see the Blue Jackets before the end of the year. Thanks for being on with me today. Thanks for the questions that you've sent me on X at Bobby Mac Sports. Thanks for being with me on X Spaces. Those of you that asked your questions live, They are appreciated as always. So until tomorrow, from Ottawa, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long, and thanks for listening to the Blue Jackets Monday Mailbag.